it's almost kind of Greek tragic comedy. Do you know what I mean? Of like the fact that she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm holding this election to increase my mandate so I can go to Brexit with like a spring in my step. And then it's just gone completely horribly wrong. I, I want to know who said to her, this is a good idea. Barely holding on with any power to start with. And then it's kind of going like, let's shake that magic eight ball. See what yeah. see what else it tells us. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, it was. It was kind of like um, Blackjack. She's got yeah. 20. <laughs> Go on, fuck it. Hit Split. me. Split it. What? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Tom, Dick and Hyman Show. And as is fitting, after such a shocking general election result, shockingly, Hyman's back. I have returned, resurrected by this election. And like the mummy, I have risen. Theresa May said, strong and stable, strong and stable, strong and stable. So like she said it 57 times. Like Candyman, I am. But welcome back, Hyman. It's been... Well, it's been too long. Yeah, what, what have I missed? I've just literally turned my brain off since the last time I was here. And now we have this election. This fucking election oh. came out of nowhere for no reason. Oh, fucking Brexit. Brexit did this. Now, on today's episode, we will be breaking down the post-election nuclear fallout of what was possibly the worst election in all of political history. And the blinding flashpoint was the 10 o'clock exit poll just like last time just like 2015 and what we're saying is the conservatives are the largest party note they don't have an overall majority at this stage 314 for the conservatives that's down 17 266 for labor that's up 34 The SNP, the Scottish National Party, 34, down 22. Treat that figure with a bit of caution for technical reasons about the exit poll, which I don't need to explain right now. The Liberal Democrats on 14, up 6. And the smaller parties, Plaid Cymru stays on 3, the Greens on 1, none for UKIP, and the others 18. Well, the Prime Minister called this election because she wanted as she put it, certainty and stability. And this doesn't seem at this stage to look like certainty and stability. It could still be that the Conservatives at the end of the day have an overall majority. They need another 12 seats to get that overall majority. It could still be that the Conservatives did this all as a joke. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you wanted. You wanted David Cameron stepping out of a shower and it was all just a dream. I didn't give up any control! (laughs) I did shag a pig. <laughs> and then Nick Clegg comes out <laughs> shortly afterwards. <laughs> yeah, what an absolute shock. It happened again. The Tories were counting on low voter turnout. Do you know what the voter turnout was, Jaime? Uh, last time I checked, it was 68, 69%, something like that. Yeah, you're right. 68.7%. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, high. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, it's just a shame people are so fucking bad at voting. Coming straight out of their stoner bedroom, kind of going like... Yeah, it's reckless. It was reckless. Oh, totally reckless voting. I, d- I really don't know why it's suddenly become fashionable to want a hung parliament as an election result. It's not a good result. Oh, it just means everyone gets to share everything. Don't you remember the last time when the Conservative Party went around going like, will you be my friend in voting? 
That's your um, Jacob yeah. Rees Mogg impression. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Theresa May gambled, hoping to extend her majority by a further 80 to 100 seats, which like now, in hindsight, a few weeks ago, that seemed plausible. But now... You know what I love seeing? UKIP, zero. <laughs> Always. No, but that's the thing. Like... They got what they wanted. Yeah, they'll probably form their own border patrol force now. <laughs> I mean, their existence is a bit redundant, as you say, isn't it? But, I mean, it sounds ridiculous now that she wanted to extend it to 100 seats. But she actually ended up losing 13 seats instead, leaving the Tories with only 318 seats out of 650. And those of you who are good at math will know you need 326 to have a majority. So they were eight short. It is baffling. What? But what does that mean now for any policies that are going to go through? Oh, my God, yeah. Nothing's going to get done because they've got to find a coalition. Well, just quickly, Conservatives lost 13 seats, giving them 318. Labour gained 30 seats, contrary to what everyone thought. Everyone thought they were going to lose about 20, 30 seats. So that gives them a total of 262. The SNP likewise lost quite heavily. They lost 21 mm. seats. Really? leaving them with uh, 35, but they're still the biggest party in Scotland, in, in fairness. And last but not least, Lib Dems, they gained four. Who, who Dem? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Irrelevant. Mm. Poor old Tim Farron. But the Tories are still the biggest party. Mm. What that means is uh, Theresa May gets first right to try and form a government. But yeah, I think you're right. There is like a time limit on that. And if she fails, then Labour get a shot at trying to form a government. Yeah, Basically, Labour have to turn around to everyone else and say, just don't say yes to the Conservatives. Even though they are still the biggest party. Yeah. Can Theresa May call this a victory? No. Bit hollow, no, isn't it? I, the, the funny thing is, like, I mean, you can't even call her, like, presidential, but primisterial. Whatever that word. You know the word I'm trying... I would say, I would use, I'd use the word presidential. She tried to make it all I mean, about her. It's not, a, it's not a victory, but it's not a loss. Which is which is crazy because in a narcissist's mind this is a this is a win. And the problem with politics it's filled with fucking narcissists. Does politics reflect society? Oh I'm a narcissist. I'm the best fucking narcissist around. <laughs> I'm better than you, motherfucker. So I would definitely say a loss for Theresa May. Mm. However, as we said, um up in Scotland, S P lost seats, most of those seats were lost the Scottish Conservative Party, mm. led by Ruth Davidson. So I think Ruth Davidson can feel good about herself mm. i think it's the first time in like 35 years the tories have a presence in scotland so that means i was completely wrong last week i said uh therese would probably extend her majority but not by nearly as much as what theresa may thought so in classic british sense of irony we hold an election to have a strong and stable government and we end up with complete instability instead i'll tell you it feels very much because with there are more people going out to vote it feels like the Harry Potter argument. It may be a shit book, but at least people are reading now. Oh, it may God. have been a shit election, but at least people are now voting. Uh, yeah, at least turn out uh, was like uh, a fucking wet handkerchief you pull out of your pocket. At least young people voted this time because they missed out on the referendum. Oh, generally, so, I'm no, I'm so fucking apathetic. It makes me angry. It's weird. This is such a weird schizophrenic election. You're right, because it was apathetic. People, everyone voted. Everyone I know who voted mm. did so really dispassionately, like almost begrudgingly. 
No one was uh, looking forward to it. No, I mean, because everything that dictates what this country is going to be is based on Brexit now. Yeah. So everything now is just kind of damage control. Literally, this is the worst thing that could have happened when you need to have a strong idea of what the country is to then get out of what it, get out of Europe. I think this But is, we have less understanding what we are now. I think you're right. I think this all of this chaos could be a manifestation of the fact that we've lost our identity. We've lost any sense of like purpose or direction. You know what we need? We need another fucking world war. Oh, That'll God. do it. As long as we win, right? It doesn't even fucking matter. At least we'll be unified under something. Let's, we'll just pick the easiest target and just nuke him. Yes. Fuck you, Tobago. You had to perish so that we could feel good about ourselves again. <laughs> Trident works! <laughs> fucking Anglo-Saxons. <laughs> there is a bit of silver lining for me, at least. I'm a member of the Labour Party. Labour's... I don't, I don't understand that, really. <laughs> <laughs> You're the angriest, most conservative sounding labor person around but at the very least labor gained 30 seats mm. so i'm happy in that sense however i was afraid this is what i was afraid of a hung parliament quick question do you feel conservatives aren't unified but do you feel labor is more unified now they came together mm. visibly everyone could see that labor were coming together i'd say in the last four or five weeks yeah in the run-up to the election. Is that an election, like a, an anomaly? Were they before that? Do you think they're going to keep that together? Exactly. That's a good question. Can they, like... It's really annoying that they uh, created a, a Corbyn group called Momentum, because now any time Labour Party get in a bit, any sort of momentum going, everyone's going to start thinking about that, like, Trotskyist group. But that's what they've done. Theresa May unified them mm. by being so shit. But everyone in Labour was like, oh, come on, man, even Corbyn, <laughs> even Corbyn can take this loser. I swear, he is actually really good on the campaign trail. Yeah, I imagine but there are like parts a, of the Labour yeah. Party that would launch a leadership challenge. Had, yeah. he, had he won this, another example of how fucked up British politics is right now, had Corbyn had a miraculous victory, you would have seen part of the Labour Party challenge his leadership. <laughs> so he wins an election. And then they're like, yeah, we don't trust you to actually run the country. Thank you. Yeah, glad you won. But no, that's the thing. Like, you support the party, you vote for the leader now, but the party, when it gets in, then can do whatever it wants. And yeah. people seem to forget that. No I swear, to you, I swear to you, if they had got in... All the people that voted Labour would turn around and go like, but we want Corbyn to be in. Why is the Labour Party getting rid of him? It's, it would be even more, a multiplier effect on mm. the apathy that was already there. So where did it all go wrong for Theresa May? Or at the very least, what the hell did Theresa May do wrong? When I the, think when the Greeks invented voting, democracy itself could have been a mistake. Exactly. But I think as a, a follow-on to last week's episode, where I was talking about Theresa May having a honeymoon period when she became Prime Minister. It was weird how we we started projecting qualities onto her that she clearly never possessed. We told ourselves that she was charming, she was bright, competent, that she was brave and courageous. You know what I think? We were just drunk in the club. Yeah, beer goggles. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. She looked a little bit more attractive than what she actually is. Theresa May tried to take advantage of that and, like you say, make it a more presidential election where it was all about her. It's all about Team May rather than the Conservative Party. Mm. But in essence, was that her or was that the Conservative Party turning around and going like, do we stand back and let this be a personal thing now? 
Here's what I think now. She has like this little cabal of special advisors, unelected special advisors. And uh, she doesn't take any decisions until she's spoken to them at the very least. Like, there's two that she's very close to who now who are actually, as of uh, recording, mm. they resigned earlier today. So Nick Timothy and uh, Fiona Hill. And these are two of her closest allies who have now left her. But she never makes any decisions without going to them for advice first. And I think they said to her, yeah, you've got... You got it, kid. You can do it. In one move, mm. you can get rid of Labour. You can get Nicola Sturgeon off your back for the next five years. And you can extend your majority and cement your legacy as the Brexit queen. Yeah, it was a quick fix solution, which didn't actually work out. Which, if you think about it, would not work out in her favour. We were all in the bubble, though. Everyone believed the polls about how she was going to... The Tories were going to be in power for 20 years. Everyone believed that narrative. No, people, people were down about it. When the Conservatives got in after New Labour... It wasn't that different to New Labour's politics. Cameron was an extension of Blair, some some would say. Yeah, exactly. So when people turn around and going like, oh, the Conservatives, we're going to have Conservatives forever, it was they were basically saying all the politics we have is Blair, to, right. the, to the right of centre. Yeah, we're, a cent- we're predominantly a centre-right country. Although maybe this, maybe this election is like the turning point where we move actually more to a centre-left country, maybe... Like like you say, it depends on whether or not Corbyn can keep his momentum going. I really don't think he can. I mean... Probably not. I think timing-wise, it was good for Corbyn. I mean, the timing was right for Jeremy Corbyn's anti-austerity, yeah. anti-rich kind of stance. And Theresa May, like as much as she tried to present herself as the more middle class, I'm not an Etonian, I think the public had had enough of the austerity position. You think? We have to cut public spending i think they had enough of public mm. spending being cut but i don't understand how people don't get this we're broke we are broke but like with the new deal you have to give government control to do things to actually invest in the country but we don't live in a world like that anymore all they can do is inject cash they can't like really do infrastructure projects no and when no, they I mean, do try it, it they fuck it up royally like the hinkley point nuclear power station what i'm saying about the public turning and being really anti-public spending cuts. Yeah. That chimed in rather inconveniently, unfortunately, for the Tories with the uh, the London Bridge terror attacks last week. It very quickly became about police spending cuts. Yeah. And the Tories had no response for that whatsoever. And it made Theresa May look like just a useless piece of shit. But spending cuts on the police has happened was happening in the 90s, mm. in the 2000s. So you're talking, well, fuck it, it happened in the New 80s. New Labour did it as yeah. well. Yeah. New Labour were amazingly good at cutting but services. The reason why, though, is the reason why is violent crime was coming down. It's yeah. a 40-year trend, violent crime's coming down. It's ticked up now because I think the Tories cut too much too quickly. And well, that's, well, that's the very least, that's the public perception. I can, I can never forgive New Labour for inventing the, the community policing thing. Waste of time, in my view, yeah. Waste of time, waste of money and resources. But do you see what I mean, though, in terms of, like, that was a massive PR disaster. Mm. Then they had another PR disaster a few days before that, the so-called dementia tax. That was Theresa May, if anyone who doesn't really... I'll try and do an abridged version of it. Yeah. Basically, the Tories said, in terms of, if you're elderly, a pensioner, and you need social care, if you have wealth assets over £100,000... 
you would have to pay for your own social care. And this was Theresa May and the Tories saying, we understand the elderly, the baby boomers, Mm. they have too much of the wealth. They're going to have to start paying for things. They're going to have to start paying their own way more because the balance isn't right at the moment. They've accrued all this wealth that they're living off. I can understand the argument coming to that. I cannot understand why they didn't finesse that better. She didn't stand by it. She wouldn't go out there and say, look, this is why I've done this policy. I'm responding to what Mm. you, the public, are saying. You know, maybe they shouldn't have a triple lock on their pensions. Maybe it should only be a double lock. But the the young people of Britain didn't pay attention to that at all. It's one of those things, like, I can get behind it, but I can also see But the baby boomers have been paying in to a social security system. And it's the fucked up system that wasn't actually designed ahead of time yeah, they're to, living, to... Yeah. They're living too long. That's well, the problem. Yeah. If the baby boomers died 68, 69, wouldn't be much of an issue. It wouldn't be that much of an issue. Mm. The fact that they're probably going to live to 80, 85, 90, yeah. that's going to become a problem. I mean, the problem is, is the baby boomer mentality of it is mine and I will take it to my grave. Me, 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 yeah. Yeah. I get the idea of, I mean, there's a negative thing of selling off the equity in your house. Yeah. But you can't survive by yourself on this. Eventually, you would get to the point where you would require the state to come in and start helping you. The state or to do something or someone else to help you. But do you see what I mean with them? It's like the Tories were trying... Yeah, to do sorry. something. But the problem is, they're attacking the middle class, and the middle yeah. class is their base. Yeah. The problem is, everyone isn't... Again, I come back to this. This is what you people love hearing from me. Everyone sees themselves as a fucking individual. That was the Thatcherism. We're all Thatcher's children, in a way. Yeah, everyone's a fucking individual. No one wants to work together to do something. But I think Theresa May was a little bit more communitarian than Thatcher, but she was too weak to say it. Journal- well, journalists would put it to mm. her. Thatcher was heavy on individualism, you're not, so you're not like Thatcher. And she would always be like, no, 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 there's, there's only one type of conservative, blah, 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 bullshit, right? She should have just said, yes, I'm changing what the Conservative Party is, I'm moving away from Thatcher. You can't do that in politics, because the brand is everything. Yeah, and she, but she you tried to make her own Yeah, you brand. can't, no, she tried to make her own one, like Diet Coke separate from Coke. Yeah. And it wouldn't, it didn't work because it's so closely linked. But it's like changing Coke's formula. Where's the substance? People, people want the old formula. It could be shit. But they're comforted by the old one. I mean, I, I wanted to see her have more of a backbone, be more forthright. And she wasn't. And it, she made herself look weak. And then she made herself look stupid by taking the unprecedented move of taking the so-called dementia tax out of the manifesto, which has never been done before. No one's ever been so embarrassed by the manifesto they put out there that they decided, I better I better delete that page. She was saying for seven weeks, day in, day out, strong and stable leader, strong and stable leader, strong and stable leader. Okay, what kind of like strong... Like a fucking mantra. Exactly. But what kind of strong and stable leader makes U-turns like that? She des- The brand that she was trying to make, she destroyed herself. Thing is, like, I don't think she was flip-flopping around for the people. The problem is having that cabal of people around her. Do you remember when, like, celebrities used to turn around and go, like, I made this decision to do this movie because my psychic told me to do this? It feels like that. Like, I won't, I won't consult the people. I won't consult my party. My cabinet. I, I will, yeah, I will consult the people that I trust around me. They're fucking, like, tarot card readers divining what you should do. Going, like, pick a fucking side, but pick a majority side. And, of course, because she, like, she's PM, 
Yeah. She's top dog apart from the queen, right? So her little cabal of special advisors, they're going to start ramming their heads up their own ass because they've got access to one of the most powerful people in the country. Yeah. And then no. obviously their perception of reality is going to get maybe a little skewed. Yeah, yes men who have their own yes men. It's a feedback loop. You're great, Trey. You're great too. Yeah, but only because you're great. <laughs> but I'm only great because you're great. And when she's not in the room going like, we're great because we make her great. We, make, we do great politics. Of course, the whole point of this election, according to Theresa May... Who's, <laughs> there was a point to it, okay. She wanted to extend her majority so that she would have a stronger hand in the Brexit negotiations. What does party politics have to do with Brexit negotiations? Good question. This is what I think Leave voters were thinking. Mm. It doesn't make sense. She was counting on Leave voters going, oh, do you know what? She's our queen of Brexit. And in her time of need, we have to back her up. But I don't think we bought it. We didn't buy this idea. She needed a bigger majority to tell Guy Verhofstadt to fuck off. I, I, no, I mean, that literally doesn't make any sense. Other than, like, internal bills she wants to pass. Mm. Yeah, it'll probably help. But not by that much, because you still have the fucking House of Lords. Yeah, and as Brexiteers, because we didn't really buy that she needed us, I think Remain, your uh, Gina Miller types, they saw an opportunity, and they've basically bitch-slapped Theresa May. But it's also, I don't think the public understands that as well. This has nothing to do with Brexit. It's not their fault. She said it was. No, but I'm um, no. I, whatever would have happened, the boulder has been pushed off the mountain. It is rolling down the mountain. Let me put it this way. It's too late to start building gullies in it to guide the boulder down to where you want. Again, this is like... British politics is really schizophrenic at the moment. It's like a lot of Europhile young people voted in a Labour Party leader who's a Eurosceptic. We're a bunch of crazy fucks. We never get to laugh at the Americans again. Yes, we do. Here's Anna Subri to sum up what I mean. I mean, it was a dreadful, it was a dreadful campaign. Actually, lots of parts of the manifesto are actually extremely good. But if you're going to look at social care... Uh, you, you have to put that policy, if you, if you even have to start to detail a policy uh, in, a, in a way that actually explains that this is a good thing that you are going to do. When you talk about, so all the way along it, those sorts of messaging were appalling. And then, of course, the change of heart on social care, I'm afraid, um, deeply flawed Theresa May. It did not make her look the strong and stable um, prime minister and leader that she had said that she was. That was a very difficult and very serious blow i think in terms of her own credibility and the way that the campaign was being run which was about her and what she wanted to do and she she put her mark absolutely on this campaign so can she can she remain prime minister that is a matter for her david that sounds like a no to me it's it's bad look i mean she's in a very i think she's in a very difficult place she's a, a remarkable and she's a very talented woman, uh, and she doesn't shy from difficult decisions, but she now has to obviously consider her position. She does shy from difficult decisions, but she can't possibly stay on as Prime Minister, can she? Who else would take over? <sighs> Good question. I mean, I think Boris Johnson would want to have a crack at it in one sense, but in another sense, he'd be, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm inheriting a ticking time bomb in a way. He's a fucking fop, but he's not an idiot. Not a complete retard, no. Yeah. But I don't think you would. Yeah, you say. I don't think you would take this poison chalice. My first thought at the exit poll was that she would probably resign in the morning, given how many U-turns she makes. But the only reason not to would be to ensure that there was some sort of smooth 
seamless transition to a new. I, I can imagine she was she was given by the party the mandate of you're not allowed to quit. Yeah, you can fail enough for us to get rid of you, but you cannot quit. We've already had someone quit on us. I think they're happy for her to be an interim yeah. lame duck prime minister. So if she won, she you get to keep your place, but she'll do, she'll slowly but surely disappear out of the public eye more. I think overnight, quietly, when people aren't really paying attention, mm. maybe I don't know, is there like a Olympics or World Cup coming out? Maybe she'll quietly slip out whilst we're all in the pub. Maybe the rumors are with the Tory Party that the backbenchers are absolutely furious with her, want her gone. Yeah. Preferably sooner rather than later. But the yeah. cabinet, the ministers, yeah. half of them supposedly want her gone. The other half are like, oh my God, who else? Look, the rest of us don't want to step up right yeah. now. You know what it feels like? It feels like a fucking like, head of a student union. Like, <laughs> yes, it's sixth form politics. Yeah, this yeah. is sixth form university <laughs> politics. This is going to like, fuck it, I don't want to take this over. Going to like, for fuck's sake, you want to be in politics, step the fuck up. Don't go into politics to be loved. Go into politics to actually either keep everything stable or make some major changes. Yeah, go into show business if all you want is adulation. Mm. In terms of the right-wing press, apparently Rupert Murdoch was at a Times election night special event. Yeah. And uh, when the 10 o'clock exit poll came out, apparently he stormed out of the room. You know what that means? I think he's starting to realize that... Old media doesn't mean jack shit anymore. That's not how people are taking information anymore. He's not a a new media mogul. He's just an old media mogul. Yeah, gone are the days where the headline, it's the sun what won it. The Tories have a reputation, one, for being good at winning elections. Partially, I think, relying on right-wing media to do that. Yeah. I mean, they have less, less influence now than what they did in prior elections. The other thing the Tories are notorious for, bringing out the knives when they need to. When someone's a liability, uh, yeah, they okay. get knifed pretty quickly. I mean, Heidi Allen has already come out and said, um, Theresa May, within six months, she'll be gone. Like, she'll be forced out. But who will be the next Prime Minister? Boris, we already said, unlikely. Plus, like- yeah, if you put him up against Corbyn, the whole posh Tory boy thing, it's going to grate the British public. Mm. They're going to hate him. He's not a Tory boy. He's a he's a lovable buffoon. Yes, I know. You think? I think after Brexit, he looked really dejected. He looked almost like he didn't want it to happen. I know, he didn't want it to win, but he stood by the campaign that wanted it to win. He kind of got stabbed in the back by Gove, but mm. I think he was happy. I think he was kind of relieved, actually, that he could drop out quietly from the leadership contest. But David Davis... Considered maybe one of the only competent Tory MPs of the modern era. Well, he's leading the Brexit charge. So he's basically busy. I don't think it's going to be David Davis. Ruth Davidson. She's probably the only well-liked Tory MP in the country. Yeah. The whole of Britain. However, I think she. Uh, I think she's a little bit too smart. Too I think smart? She, she knows right now she's got a good thing going on up in Scotland. She's brought back. She's brought the Tories back to life in the Highlands. She's going to ride that wave a little while before okay. she comes down to try, comes all the way down from Hollywood to fix London. <laughs> so I think my money's on either Amber Rudd or perhaps maybe even Philip Hammond, neither of whom the public are going to like. Of course, 
only seven weeks since she stood at that podium and announced the snap election, the election that she had said would not happen, the election that she changed her mind about, and how any human being in her position must regret that decision, one can only imagine. But here she is, Theresa May. I have just been to see Her Majesty the Queen, and I will now form a government. A government that can provide certainty and lead Britain forward at this critical time for our country. This government will guide the country through the crucial Brexit talks that begin in just 10 days. It will work to keep our nation safe and secure by delivering the change that I set out following the appalling attacks in Manchester and London, cracking down on the ideology of Islamist extremism and all those who support it, and giving the police and the authorities the powers they need to keep our country safe. The government I lead will put fairness and opportunity at the heart of everything we do, so that we will fulfil the promise of Brexit together and, over the next five years, build a country in which no one and no community is left behind. What the country needs more than ever is certainty, and having secured the largest number of votes the greatest number of seats in the general election. It is clear that only the Conservative and Unionist Party has the legitimacy and ability to provide that certainty by commanding a majority in the House of Commons. As we do, we will continue to work with our friends and allies in the Democratic Unionist Party in particular. Our two parties have enjoyed a strong relationship over many years, and this gives me the confidence to believe that we will be able to work together in the interests of the whole United Kingdom. This will allow us to come together as a country and channel our energies towards a successful Brexit deal that works for everyone in this country, securing a new partnership with the EU which guarantees our long-term prosperity. That's what people voted for last June. That's what we will deliver. Now let's get to work. I mean, the woman is delusional, isn't she? Oh, wait, she shut up, thank God. That, that was like a kind of speech. I think that was the speech she was going to give had she won a 100-seat majority anyway. It did sound like she had no idea that she'd lost. No contrition. <laughs> <laughs> but she mentioned she was going to have to partner up with a different political party called the Democratic Ulster Unionist Party. The DUP. Who the fuck are the DUP? Well, the DUP... I think it was formed by uh, Ian Paisley back in I think, 1971, currently led by Arlene Foster. And uh, if you couldn't guess from their name, they're the largest party in Northern Ireland. They're staunchly pro-maintaining the uh, Irish-UK Union, or well, at least the Northern Irish-UK Union. Largely pro-Brexit, but they said they would uh, reject an EU deal that re-establishes the hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. In their manifesto, the DUP said they would push against hard Brexit, the no-deal option. Fuck is a hard Brexit. It's us crashing out of the EU and basically just saying, okay, we're just going to go to the World Trade Organization, have their boilerplate tariff system. But controversially, though, about the DUP, by UK mainland standards, they've got some hardline stances on abortion, on gay marriage, but they consistently block any attempts to try and make any sort of advances on abortion or gay marriage in Ireland. 
Now, there's a lot being made of this in the UK mainland press. Mm. Problem is, like, look, you're not going to have gay marriage be repealed in the UK Parliament. It's not going to happen. Relax. Like, a lot of people are freaking out about how like retrograde the DUP are. They've got ten seats. They're tiny, tiny. Obviously, by virtue of the fact that Tories are relying on the DUP to form a government, you a minority government. You think they'll bend a little bit? Yeah, they'll make some concessions. They'll make some promises to the DUP. But they'll, I think their concessions won't be on abortion or gay marriage. They're not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> the concessions will be probably, maybe, on Brexit. But they might. They uh, the DUP might be the ones that get the Tories to promise that actually... Whatever deal they broker with the EU, Parliament will get a vote on it, an opportunity to reject it. So they basically want, they don't care what happens, but as long as they get to flex their muscle. Yeah, probably. I mean, even if the DUP did get really hard line and demand the Tories let them ban and repeal gay marriage in the UK, the Tories would just say, look, fuck you, we're just going to call another election. You know, come what may. You don't get to hold us over the barrel. Yeah, come what Theresa May. <laughs> She'll hopefully be gone by then. <laughs> I mean, if their manifesto is anything to go by. Which is? Uh, it will probably, what's promised to the DUP, DUP will be a recommitment to the triple lock on pensions. Because the Tories, obviously, um, one of their policies was actually getting rid of the triple lock and just having a double lock instead. I mean, they also, uh, the DUP were also heavily against spending cuts in their manifesto. They wanted to protect tax credits and things like that. So maybe that would be one of the concessions that the Tories offer. That's the thing. What, for those 10 seats? Well, the DUP of 10, the Tories have 318, so that's 328, which is... Yeah, but they need three more, don't they? I think they've got basically, by having 328, I believe, across the whole of the UK, the Tories have a majority Ah. of six. Uh, I think if you'd basically eliminate Scotland which does seem to be a kind of separate island right now in terms of like political landscape. The, well, Tories have a, the Tories have a larger majority if you eliminate Scotland. Speaking of Scotland, the SNP had a bad night as well. Yeah, where, where's their momentum gone? The problem was Nicola Sturgeon. For a long time now, Nicola Sturgeon has been almost synonymous with just the very desire for Scotland to be independent. She kind of like, she's the embodiment of it, or at least she was for a while. I don't want anyone else touching my baby. Stay away from my baby. What I think happened is people started looking at Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP's record in government because obviously you ha- you already had a referendum back in 2014 Yeah, that the SNP lost. And so it's now, okay, you guys are in government. You kind of do something other than just stand up for Scottish independence. You actually run the country and you... And I think people looked at their record, the SNP's record on things like education... Mm. healthcare and they basically they found it wanting after scotland tried to get independence the problem with everyone in the uk basically said like fuck you we won we're not going to change anything that should have been a turning turning point they should have started to look at how london looks at the rest of the country as separate from yeah and it didn't it didn't change the best thing that came out of it was the bbc turned around and like yeah we should probably move to manchester that's middle isn't it nothing else has changed it was a start it was it was it wasn't nearly enough it was a very poor performance for the snp here's nicola sturgeon looking pretty defeated talking about what a bad night it was for her 
That said, clearly it's a disappointing result. We've lost some tremendous MPs, uh, obviously particularly and very personally disappointed that Angus Robertson lost his seat. He has been an outstanding MP, but also an outstanding uh, leader of the SNP in the House of Commons, and he'll be a big loss, uh, not just to Murray, but to uh, parliamentary politics in Westminster as well. Clearly uncertainty around uh, Brexit and independence, which you know clearly will be a factor in tonight's results. So, you know, a lot of thinking for the SNP to do. Um, but let's not lose sight of the fact this is our second best ever result in a Westminster election. We have won the election. What does it mean for your mandate for Indy Ref 2? Oh look, you know, it's uh, what, almost four o'clock in the morning. Uh, like most politicians I've had no sleep, so I, I'm not going to take any uh, rash decisions. Clearly I have to reflect on the result of the election and I will take time to do that but it would be, I think, uh, the wrong thing for me to do at, at this hour uh, to, to take uh, decisions before having had the opportunity to properly think about it, but properly think about it, I will certainly do. We're hearing Alex Salmond's lost his seat. Look, we haven't heard confirmation uh, of that yet. Obviously, I hope very much that's not the case. Uh, I will be bitterly disappointed if it is. Alec is uh, the person in politics in the SNP that I'm uh, closest to and have been closest to for a long time. He's uh, one of my closest friends. He's uh, been a, a mentor to me throughout my entire political career, so I'm very much hoping that he'll be re-elected, but obviously we have to, to wait and see and uh, hopefully not have to wait too much longer. Well, I'm afraid to say, Nicola, Alex Salmon did not retain his seat. He lost it. And uh, another one, I mean, she mentioned Angus Robertson. That's basically, Angus Robertson is like her guy in Westminster. I would say it's quite a big loss for her. Another big loss was um, a young Asian Scottish woman by the name of Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh. Yeah. You might have seen her on like Daily Politics and Question Time. She's like a very forthright Asian woman with a thick Scottish accent. So a Scot. She was basically, she was starting to make a name for herself down in London and Westminster and was getting TV time. But she's gone as well. I would say three big losses for Nicola Sturgeon there. Alex Salmond, Angus Robson and Tasmina. All gone. Quick, like, on the Tom, Dick and Hyman show, do we care? About Scotland? Yeah. We should really. Are we not unionists? Do we not want Scotland to stay part of the United Kingdom? Well, if you say yes, I'll say no. Oh, God. All right. Why do you want that? <laughs> should Nicola Sturgeon stay on, given that she's lost quite... No. Even though she's still the biggest party. SNP's still the biggest party, fair enough, but it's over. It's over for independence referendum number two. Yep. As soon as you start losing like that, you start people start getting superstitious. Oh, in terms of... Um, Is it... Is it us or is it her? If we if we get rid of this one, is she the problem? Yeah, this unlucky thing. Yeah. Will will it take on the upswing? That 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 happens in politics. Yeah. If we oust this person, then the party will do better. If we sacrifice this person to this, maybe it would make, like rejuvenate something. Yeah. But the S and P I find is um the uh, the Scott Nats as they're called. They're quite Scottish Nazis. <laughs> They're quite cultish. They're kind of a little, little bit cult-esque when it comes to fawning loyalty and affection to the party leader. And so, I mean, Nicola Sturgeon will be under no pressure from within the SNP to step down. They love her. They adore her. Well, maybe she's like a figurehead that they'll just keep then. The problem is, for Nicola Sturgeon, her whole narrative was, Winning. I am the embodiment of Scotland's desire for Scottish independence. That's basically dead. I mean, this is clearly a rejection of her campaign messaging. Of there think, definitely needs to be a second referendum. You think she's going to uh, pivot and change her her brand? Change it to what, though? 
That's the whole raison d'etre yeah. of the SNP. So it would be more like apathy that she would leave. It wouldn't be like she would be ousted. She's going to have to work hard to build back up any sort of desire for fucking with the status quo right now. Like British politics is such is in such chaos right now. It's more like it would be like kicking a kid when it's down. Kicking a hornet's nest when you know it's full of hornets. But the SNP weren't the only ones who had a bad night. Even though the Lib Dems, they did gain four seats, we did lose a titan of British politics. The officer at the election held on Thursday, June 2017, do hereby give notice that the number of votes cast for each candidate at the election is as follows. Nick Clegg, Liberal Democrats, 19,756. Watch Nick Clegg's face. Jared O'Mara, Labour Party, 21,881. Camera zooms in. Yeah. Like they, Lovely. The camera's not showing the Labour guy who just won. It's only showing Nick Clegg, who is looking like... Well, he's contemplating suicide right now, is what he looks like. Logan Robin, Green Party, 820. Yeah, like the camera basically didn't... It was mainly focused on Nick Clegg for the, the next about 10 minutes. They didn't show... Okay, so you can just about see the Labour guy in shot now. But he, do you know what I mean? It's like he just won. The main focus should be him. But no, Nick Clegg, a giant of British politics, has fallen. What's your favourite Nick Clegg moment? <laughs> I mean, uh, funny he had such a beautiful wife. Does he? I can't remember what his wife looks like. Spanish. Is she I'm Spanish? Not sure I've ever seen her, to be honest. Which is a politician that tried to date a cheeky girl. Ah, uh, that was uh, Lembic. Opic. Lembic yeah, Opic. Yeah, that was it. Okay, in fairness, I like poking fun at Nick Clegg, but he wasn't a terrible MP. I mean, He's, uh, he tarnished his reputation, obviously, with the student fees yeah, U-turn. But but. That was that was out of his control. He was basically given the paper to given the speech to say, and it was like fuck. He had to make some concessions. I have power, or I've been offered a seat at the table. Yeah, and, he's, and I've given up all of my principles just to have it. Yeah, and he's, of course, he's a minority partner in a coalition. So it's, he hasn't got the leverage. Mm. Like I say, he had to give up some things, and that was, uh, that was what he chose to give up. And it, his party paid the price big time for that. But having said that, I think the Lib Dems will miss Nick Clegg. He's one of the most erudite, articulate, you think he's charismatic gonna... MPs they've got. You think he's going to stay with the Lib Dem? I don't know. That, that's the thing. Losing an election or losing a seat, that's basically a, like the perfect time for a politician to leave. And make money in yeah. the private sector. Yeah, I, the, the private sector or charity sector, they can go and do whatever they want. This is the perfect moment to do what they want. I mean, to be real, when um, if you see, if you go out and you find the video clip of Nick Clegg losing his seat, he's kind of looking mournful for the eu but i imagine he maybe he'd go work for the eu maybe find some sort of job he can do in brussels or he'd become like the anti-nigel farage like just like a pundit on tv and radio where he gets paid six-figure salary to give his opinions on the like today's political story oh good for him the political story of the day. I mean, I mean, he was the only... Can you name any other politician who is a Liberal Democrat? Only the drunk guy who died, Kennedy. Yeah. Charles Kennedy. He had a personality. He was I'd, a joker. 
Yes. But let's talk about a party that had a good night on election night. Let's talk about Labour. Thank you very much, everybody. It was dismissed as merely an internal Labour revolution of left-wing party activists. But it grew and it grew. It became a popular uprising. Theresa May's snap election pumped oxygen into Corbyn's movement. There is nothing in this manifesto about getting rid of the monarchy, which is another thing you believe in, isn't it? Look, there's nothing in there because we're not going to do it. His backers say this campaign allowed the public to see the real Jeremy Corbyn. I think we've all known that he was a man of the people, but this campaign has demonstrated him as a leader, uh, one of the definitions of being a leader is uh, uh, to inspire. And this guy has inspired millions of people, hundreds of thousands of young people. Those who a year ago were calling for him to resign now accept he's the leader. Now, of course, it was supposed to be a, a landslide victory for Theresa May. Corbyn, he was supposed to be completely unelectable, although there's, there's an argument he didn't actually win, so therefore he hasn't proven otherwise. But Corbyn had a much better than expected performance on the night. Was that a Labour victory or was that a Corbyn victory? Uh, good question, because, um, I mean, the Labour Party itself, I mean, they didn't really rally around Jeremy Corbyn. They just stopped relentlessly attacking him in yes. the press. And uh, I mean, Diane Abbott was the only one who actually stumped for Corbyn. And she had like she was an embarrassment. She, I would say she was actually a liability to Corbyn by the end. Fucking annoying. She's had a miraculous recovery, don't you know? She was pulled from campaigning the day before the election due to being ill. <laughs> but yeah, that was bullshit. But whatever, Diane Abbott, she's in a really, she's in probably the safest seat in all of the UK. So a gain of 30 seats for Labour, pretty good. However, a question does remain. Would they have done as well if Theresa May wasn't completely useless and didn't run the worst election campaign of all time? Uh, that's a chicken and the egg argument. You can't, you can't <laughs> really tell, can you? Is this an uptick for Labour or is this a downtick for Conservatives? But he was really good on the campaign. He basically saw what it was going and he, he adapted really quickly to it. Mm. And he understood what worked on the campaign as opposed to what works as being a leader of a party. Corbyn's really good like there's to me there's kind of there's like a duality to Jeremy Corbyn. There's electioneering Corbyn. Yeah. And then there's Corbyn at the dispatch box in the House of Commons. And electioneering Corbyn's really good. He delivers these rousing speeches. Mm. Some people might be cynical and say anybody can get a crowd who are high riled up. Yeah, any you know 1200 strong crowd of high anti-capitalists anybody could do that. But no, Jeremy's pretty good at it. But he's terrible in the House of Commons. Corbyn's manifesto, everyone was expecting it to be absolutely dire, like a suicide note, but it wasn't. It was actually pretty good, and it was warmly received, and it struck that anti-austerity chord. It chimed with the public well, much better than um, Theresa May's manifesto. Yeah, but there's a problem with the manifesto. Most manifestos don't work past getting into Parliament. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to raise the tax revenues you thought you were going to yeah. raise. The most uh, this is cynical. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Politics is about promising the world, and then when you're in opposition, yeah, and then mi then mitigating. I hate this phrase, managing expectations. That's the word. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Post hoc. 
and it causes cynicism. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, politics should always be compromised. Yeah. Because any negotiation, you go in with what you want, but you have the bottom bottom level of what you will take. Your red line. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like that anymore. It seems like I either get everything or you get nothing. But I want to know, like, they talk about, like, young people are coming out for Labour. But that is every time there's a general election, everyone, young people come out for Labour. Because the old joke is, the older you get, the more conservative you become. Yeah, but typically... Because you understand how the real world works. And you could say, like, yes, the world has beaten me into this shape. Because, I mean, typically 18 to 24-year-olds don't really vote in general elections. That, that's the thing. I, I want to turn. I want to get like a bunch of young people together, and say, "What the fuck do you want?" And then I want to say, and Out then of I, yeah, politics. No, in politics or in life, or in life. And I, what the fuck do you want? And I, Everything. and I want, and I want to go through with them how why that can never happen again. Yeah, but I mean, don't get me wrong. We fucked up by going down these avenues, painted ourselves into a corner. Exactly. But promising the world to them and then the person gets into power, all you're doing is that person will have to turn around and then say, actually, we can't do what we promise. And then you're just having people turn around and go like, you know what? I don't believe in politics anymore. I feel bad for these young people, the young Corbynistas. Because Jeremy Corbyn, when he's stood in front of a crowd of anti-capitalists, he's got this second gear that he can kick himself up into. But it's a second gear that doesn't exist when he's in the House of Commons. Yeah. And so I think the young people who are really liking Corbyn now, the same thing that happened to the 2015 young Corbynistas is going to happen to this new crop yeah. of Jezza fans, is that they'll love him when he's outside of some like fire station giving a speech, but they'll hate the Jeremy Corbyn in the House of Commons. They'll become apathetic about politics as a result, and then you don't get, Labour doesn't get to rely on that youth vote anymore. You they squander seen- it. Labour seems to work when the infighting stops. Yeah. When that perfect storm of timing, that's when Labour does well. When the Tories are in an absolute mess. Yeah. Because I think he'll stay on as leader now for the foreseeable future, at least until the next election. At least until the next time he sits on the fucking floor of a goddamn train and then says, like, (laughs) I can't get a seat. No. The the problem for Corbyn is, at the very least, to me, he hasn't proven that he's a good party leader. All right. So. The media are trying to push quite heavily this narrative of there are now Big two news. There are basically two voting blocks now, young versus old. And you're going to be seeing this a lot in the coming weeks about thing is millennials versus baby boomers. Because baby boomers take the flack of everything. Oh, yeah. Why the fuck are baby boomers still so indomitable? They can't move. It's always baby boomers versus. They're like at the top of the totem pole right now. Each generation gets a turn. To attack a baby boomer. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. true, yeah. And then... They're the Rupert Murdoch of <laughs> yeah. age brackets. Do you know what I mean? And then they're basically dropped from the equation. They're not even brought into it. And that, again, brings more disillusion to actually make any change. It's like, I will vote what my parents did. I mean, I think there's been this prediction that there's going to be this great clash of demographics, the old versus the young, for a while now, because you've had... Um, the dominant paradigm of that there's too much wealth inequality. The elderly have all the wealth. And so surely sooner or later, the young people are going to revolt. But again, it's not old versus young. It's still a class-based system. Still based on wealth, yeah. The invention of the middle class didn't actually 
change anything. All it did was buffer out rich and poor. All right, because the middle, middle class, band. yeah, the middle class keeps breaking down into your upper middle class, your upper upper middle class, your lower 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 middle class. Like right? in America, everyone's some form of middle class. Yeah, unless you're dirt poor or fucking amazingly rich. Yeah. All right. But do you think? Uh, do you are you buying this line that Corbyn got the youth vote out? I mean, there was a high turnout, which maybe suggests that. But then again, like I said, the EU referendum had an even higher turnout than this election. And I think it was only about a third of 18 to 24-year-olds voted in the EU referendum. So time will tell, maybe. So I think if you keep up the momentum of the EU referendum... Brexit story just keeps trucking. Of course it is. Everything come, Everything stems from that. And great brand awareness knows that's how you push something through. You want to get a next generation of uh, voters in, you don't go on what came uh, on what you believe the future is you go on what came before you build on the past i mean if there is an intergenerational divide war yeah it would be like a culture there'll be a big culture war as a result of that which could get quite messy the problem nowadays is that we don't have any options in politics it's There's, illusory there choice is, there is only capitalism yeah monetarism yeah how much money are we going to inject this quarter and that's so, the only real decisions anyone makes in politics. Yeah. So the problem is, no matter what happens, you want to move forward, you do a different version of that. Rearranging the deck chairs and yeah. the Titanic type thing. Yes. Yeah. So I think there is, um, that we had a 40-year period where young people, when they were teenagers, were highly anti-capitalist. But then they, when they graduated from university, they were all just about, I've got to work hard, make my money buy my house i've got to pay back what i've just pay back my loans yeah, yeah like I've, they, got to, I've got to invest in this capitalist system or else i yeah. won't be able to pay back what i borrowed exactly and they got a little bit stuck maybe yeah whereas now you've got the rising anti-capitalist sentiment that corbyn i think is helping to both in part he's helping to fuel it whilst also riding the wave of it yeah i can see that yeah i don't know if it's strictly just a youth revolt though i mean we're not we're not really amazingly pro-capitalism Nope, we're cynical. I think it's maybe it's the death of a centrist politics that stuck, you know, the, the old Overton window. Like, maybe that had shrunk too much the last 30, 35 years, and now okay, it's opening yeah, up you, a little yeah. bit more, and you've got more left voices as opposed to centre-left voices, more right and hard-right voices as opposed to just centre-right voices. And they're, uh, people are looking more, not so, so much to the extremes, but like you say, they're looking more for a choice. We're going back to left versus right kind of paradigm. Labour versus Tory, strictly. God, that's, it's going to sicken me. It's literally... You know, what's, you know what's going to sicken me even more? Is Billy Elliot is going to come back. We're gonna, the stage we, show. Yeah, we're going to get fucking Billy Elliot too. We've got train spotting too. But I think the thing about the intergenerational divide that the media is pushing, it might turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy where actually young and old do decide, do you know what, we really should be bitter enemies rather than their perhaps just political opponents mm. and then you you get the complete breakdown of the extended family which would probably knock on into the just normal yeah their standard but, nuclear family but that's the thing i don't think that'll happen because everyone's everyone has an, an older family member but i think these days you rarely see them it doesn't matter if you rarely see them you still have them no, I don't think it is about hitting old people. I think it's it's basically uh, 
a reverence for youth. It's not hating old people. It's just we don't recognize old people. We basically say youth is where it's at. I don't know. I think if they look to mass media and everything in mass media is about how old people fucked young people, they stole all the wealth, they vote against the interests of the young. They're they're old and they're going to die off and they're fucking over the young. I mean, I give you old ideas of fucking over the young, but I don't think the old are. The young don't have any ideas of their own. That is true. Because they I mean, look, they they just uh, they're backing Jeremy Corbyn. He's in his seventies. Yeah, a man with sixties. Yeah, a know. man with old ideas. He's old mm. labor. Yeah. This election was supposed to be about Brexit. It turned out, um, I mean, if you look over the actual campaigning and the media coverage, it wasn't really about Brexit at all. Again, I stand by, what has party politics got to do with Brexit? Yeah, it's far more domestic in nature, whereas Brexit is a little bit more foreign policy in that area. And there was very, there was like little to no talk of foreign policy in this election. It was all domestic policies. And I think we don't want to address certain foreign issues, namely Brexit and the migrant crisis, which is still ongoing. It's, it's summer's coming, yeah. But Theresa May, she said she needed this election to get a bigger majority and also a mandate for hard Brexit. Now that she's, I would say, inarguably lost the election, you know, by, it, by Theresa May's own yeah. standard, she's lost this election. Isn't doesn't logic dictate then that we can't go for hard Brexit anymore? We should go for soft Brexit. Nah, the general election demands who come who who's at the head of the table in the negotiation. Or who is the person that actually appoints the people to negotiate? Yeah. That is all it is. Um, that was already decided. Exactly. And I don't know. It's a terrible idea to change it now. Oh, no, it's worse. You'll get people kind of going like, well, this person is negotiating. Well, the person we like now is better at negotiating. You're switching that out yeah. now? Should Diane Abbott be on the negotiating? Diane <laughs> should Abbott David should Davis be taken or... off, did the right decision by coming off the daily fucking politics. Theresa May was arguably looking for a mandate for hard Brexit. She wanted the majority to be able to push through hard Brexit without the support of any other party. Now she's in a position where I think she's dependent on Labour. Theresa May's fate is in their hands now. Well, what does Labour want? On Brexit, they were saying, we want to leave the EU committed to that, you know, carrying out the public's will or what have you. But they think the uh, Theresa May's stance of no deal is better than a bad deal. They disagree with that. They think you've got to have a deal. And if you end up in a place where you don't like what the EU is offering, you have to try and be cordial and diplomatic with the EU to go, look, we need extra time. We need to iron yeah. some things out. So they think being polite is the right way of going. Yeah. Well, Apart, as opposed to the, the hard-headed Theresa May. Which is the deal you've given us is bullshit. So we'll just go to the IMF. The uh, WTO. WTO, sorry. We'll just walk away. Yeah. I mean, I kind of prefer Labour's way of doing things, to be honest. Again, that's not taking into account how politics works. International politics. A hard and a soft Brexit? Both bullshit. I think so. I you think there's... need a nuanced negotiation. You need the two years to come out of it. I think you need more than two years. Oh, you need more than... Well, it took five fucking years for New Zealand to negotiate their goddamn... Yeah, their trade deal. Their trade deals. All right. Yeah. Two years isn't enough. What are the deals that have already gone through in Europe mm. should not change. Yeah, what the, our previous agreements. The previous agreement. The That's problem, what the plan was. 
But I mean, I think the um, Theresa May came out pretty swiftly and said, look, we're just we're going to make it. We're going to take the easiest road, which is just leave the single market, leave the customs union rather than getting into spats over which aspects apply, which aspects don't, yada, yada, yada. Just make a clean break, a clean severance, total severance. But at the same time, you just adopt every single EU regulation as it was the day you left. That but, makes sense. And the EU kind of liked that because they were like, okay, we, we know where Theresa May stands. We yeah. know what she wants. We can work with that. We, we problem now, though, yeah. problem now, though, is Theresa May's made this absolute mess of everything. And now the EU are probably fucked off with her because I think the EU kind of got to a mindset where they're like, okay, yeah, go get a bigger mandate. Go get, go get a bigger majority. Get your mandate for your hard Brexit, whatever. As yeah. long as you come to us with some stability and a clear mind on what it is you want and where you're at. Whereas now it's just chaos. I know, I know. You know what the worst thing is? They're hypocrites as well. Italian politics is oh my a, God. Cluster, <laughs> a clusterfuck. <laughs> of pure corruption. Right. French politics, it's sad to say the only stable European country is Germany. But they're On the sta- board of the, the Merkel dynasty. No, I mean, they're, they're stable. It's basically a dictatorship. The, yeah, almost. Yeah, the politest, nicest dictatorship you can come around, all right? Of Christian yeah. <laughs> uh, meekness. Yeah. Every other country. France, for fuck's sake, is, oh, yeah, we, we, stopped, we stopped the fascists getting through. They got 32%. Uh, they came second. Yeah. Same thing with the Netherlands, the Dutch election. Gert Wilders came second. Yeah, okay, he didn't win. The Netherlands, but now he's the second. The Netherlands biggest. are so fucking racist. He's pushed the Netherlands to the right. He did what he wanted to do. And it's like, yeah, don't celebrate. It's a hollow victory that, like, oh, well, you know, at least he didn't win. He's only the second biggest. I'll tell you, one, I'll tell you one thing. You hate this country that much. At least respect. We're not that racist. We're not. We are. We are. We make sol- ourselves out to be the most are, racist country in the world. We are. We are. We are solidly centrist. Didn't used to be fair enough. But we're not, we're Britain, we're not 1970s Britain, we're not trying to be. No. I mean, literally since the 80s, I mean, that's a positive for individualism. Yeah. Didn't matter true. who the fuck you were. You were all British. Theresa May, she set out her stall at the beginning of this election campaign saying, look, this is about Brexit. It is about me getting a mandate for hard Brexit. She hasn't got that, right? Is there an argument now that we should have a second EU referendum about the nature of the relationship we want with the EU? I don't think that subtlety in conversation is going to help. Because we should have had that conversation when it came to the fucking thing beforehand. Yeah, it should have been the first referendum. Yeah. What do we want? Like EEA membership, EFTA, WTO. Yeah, we should have decided back then. This is no, like we it's... just want out. Out is what we want. Yeah, fuck the EU. Yeah, what, what does out mean? It doesn't matter. It just means Brussels aren't telling us what to do. The fact that we didn't do this properly first time around has come back to bite us on the arse. Well, it it just doesn't define boundaries for the civil servants trying to get us out of it now, or the politicians involved in getting us out. I mean, naturally, if we did have a second EU referendum, obviously you'd have to take out any possibility of remain. That would be, oh my God. If you had the second referendum and then the result was remain, that would be pretty much the beginning of the end of British democracy. Yeah, that's true. Everyone would be, it would be violent. Nah, there wouldn't be violence, to be honest, but people people's any a lot of people would be really huffed and they just wouldn't get rid of it they would never go back to voting again they would never go back to thinking the system of democracy in britain works yeah the system works for us no the system is in place above you 
Precisely. You don't... Democracy is supposed to give the public the feeling they have some sort of control. Mm. Maybe we shouldn't have a second... We No, we, we certainly shouldn't. Also, like, stand by the courage of your fucking convictions. I didn't know mm. what it meant. Fuck you! You will never learn to actually engage with politics. You will never learn exactly. to actually engage with it because you've never learned consequence. I've learned consequence. What about dealing with setbacks? Yeah. Coping with loss, not getting your own way all the time. And I think this is the big failing of British people, of the contemporary British people. Is we don't have the stomach for things. It's the complacency with them. If it can't be Whatever, done in a year. someone bigger than me will work it out. Yeah, and also, if it takes more than a year, our interest in it wanes, our desire for it wanes. I can almost see, like, Theresa May calling this election just to keep politics in their forefront of their mind. Yeah. Obviously, UKIP got zero seats but ukip were the real driving force behind brexit really even though they weren't in power didn't really introduce any sort of legislation or anything like that they mm. pressured everyone in whitehall to put brexit on the agenda they're UKIP, like the nra of uh, the uk one issue single issue, one issue yeah one single issue and we'll pressure everyone into thinking that's the main main thing now i think we uh, we were talking about how I mean, the narrative in the run-up to the election was basically UKIP are completely dead. Their raison d'etre has gone because they already got the EU referendum they wanted. They got the result they wanted. Thing is, I wonder about the people that voted for UKIP. Like, do they even realise that they're defunct? Well, they, do you know what it was? Is um, UKIP took votes from Labour. Everyone, yeah. everyone, the, the kind of intuitive, uh, basically counterintuitively, yeah. UKIP were getting seats from Labour when everyone thought it was going to be from the Tories. Yeah. And of course, David Cameron was worried in 2015 that UKIP, basically, there were no more Labour seats that UKIP could get. They so would if, just start taking... Yeah, if UKIP were going to make any gains, they were going to make it at the Tories' expense. That's why he put the, he, he put the EU referendum in the 2015 manifesto. Just, we don't want to lose too many seats to UKIP. Short-minded fucking thinking that got us into this. Yeah, but can UKIP make a bounce back? I mean, Paul Nuttall resigned. He failed to uh, get elected. Failed to get a single UKIP MP. You know, what but if, but yeah. he was a little bit defiant, albeit in a uh, slightly defeated kind of way. But he was saying, "Yeah, look, UKIP are dead now. But in eighteen months' time, considering that Brexit looks like it's in peril, maybe UKIP will make a comeback." You know what it feels like? It feels like a like a flat pack. You you build it really quickly when you need a bookcase. Yeah. And then you just take it down when you don't it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, in six months when you've got to move. Yeah. If UKIP do make a comeback, how are they going to do it? Paul Nuttall was almost universally despised. Suzanne Evans, who yeah. was one of only uh two members of UKIP who was ever liked, mm. she's gone. Unlikely to come back the way she was treated when she was uh briefly Briefly looking to be leader of the party. So, I mean, there really is only one choice, isn't there? There's only one possible saviour. You know what I'm getting at? We need Tim here for this. <laughs> I don't want to be the one that <laughs> he looks like he's promoting. Say his name. You don't have to say it three times. Lord Emperor Saint Farage. Could Nigel Farage make a triumphant Phoenix of the Flame-esque return to British politics? I mean, it's lucky that Russia's got nothing to do with Europe, so yeah. But here's Nigel Farage talking with uh, Andrew Neil the morning of the election result. Former leader of UKIP is indeed with me here in Westminster. Nigel Farage, Mrs May called an election. 
to get a mandate for her kind of breakfast, Brexit. She didn't get it. Are you worried now that the kind of Brexit you want may not be delivered? Very. I mean, despite the fact there are 318 Tory MPs elected on a Brexit manifesto, the DUP have got 10 seats and they support Brexit, uh, the real worry I've got is David Davis, who of all the people in the Cabinet I would have thought was closest to my kind of Brexit position, even David Davis saying this morning at Huppers 2 that perhaps leaving the single market and leaving the customs union will need to be reconsidered. And what Tory central office have concluded is they've concluded that campaigning for hard Brexit has cost them votes. Now, I think that analysis is wrong. I think in the end this was more about personality. She failed the test. She didn't look like a leader. So it seems to me that if even David Davis is considering putting the single market back on the table, then the whole Brexit process has really very seriously been damaged by this election. As we speak, about half a mile down the road, we're told Mrs May is attempting to put together a government uh, to cope with the new circumstances. Can she pull it off? Uh, well, maybe she can put together a government, but can she pull off the Brexit process? Four times in this campaign, I saw her asked, as somebody who back Remain, do you now believe in Brexit? And four times, she could not answer the question, just said, I'm going to do the will of the people. You cannot go to Brussels and negotiate something as important as this unless you believe in it in your heart. So I'm told she's going to stay. She won't resign today. But I do think if Brexit's to be a success, we must have somebody who believes in it leading the government. I think she's failed completely. I think she uh, has, has weakened her own position, not just within British politics, but she's weakened the UK's position with these renegotiations. And yet, if, if the very idea of Brexit is back on the negotiation table, the debating table again, uh, if you're worried that it may not happen now, or at least it may not happen as you would like it, and yet here is your own party, UKIP, nowhere in this debate, well, no MPs, less than 2% of the vote, yep. out, over, well, done, well, toast. UKIP yesterday seemed to be irrelevant to the whole process, given that the Tories were fighting on Brexit, and Jeremy Corbyn said Labour would go for Brexit and stop the free movement of people. Uh, and yet today, uh, we face a prospect where if this starts to get watered down, if we don't get the Brexit that people voted for, then UKIP could be more relevant than it's ever been. But you would come back from a very low base. You got only a little bit more of the share of the vote than the Greens. Uh, yes, I mean, you... but, but don't underestimate the fluidity of voters now in the United Kingdom and how strongly attached many of those Brexit voters are. If they get betrayed, their votes will move. So I think we can read between the lines there and uh, infer that Nigel Farage is letting us know that only Nigel Farage can make a success of Brexit. Certainly wears the uh, pyjama bottoms underneath, doesn't he? He's uh, not the hero we need, not the hero we deserve. He's not the hero we want. <laughs> yeah, he's not the hero we want. Yeah, sorry. Do we have to Google the Dark Knight? <laughs> no, no. He is the Dark Knight. <laughs> I think Tim did actually message me saying he's working on a uh, Nigel Farage signal to put on his roof <laughs> to like, bring in the saviour of Brexit. I mean, no matter how big a mess the Tories make of Brexit, I don't, I don't see UKIP making a comeback. I don't see Nigel Farage making a comeback. I think Euroscepticism, like if we end up just remaining in the EU... Yeah. There won't be any riots. Nigel Farage won't be in the middle of Parliament Square with a torch setting fire. So the house is wrong. We need we promise to get out. Euroscepticism will just die and it will die quietly. And you'll see all the Eurosceptic MPs when the next election comes around, they just won't run for election again. They'll just drop out. Mm. Uh, and then I think 
us leave voters i think we'll just uh we'll probably just then we'll probably just end up moving to canada maybe new zealand australia i mean that would be brilliant if we start getting the commonwealth up and going again move to uh you're right move to canada or new zealand or australia run away from federalized europe yep All right, folks, you have been listening to the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. And that was our breakdown of the worst election in history. Therese, you fucked it. I look forward to the next election, seeing how that crumbles beneath our fingers as well. You haven't been gripped with apathy yet. No, I'm just numb. I'm drunk and I'm numb. (laughs) If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud and Twitter at TDH show. And don't forget to like our Facebook page you like it enough, I might return. You might be a permanent fixture again on the podcast. Who knows? I don't control my shifts. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Imo, for making a comeback. Just to uh, let us know your thoughts on a crazy election. You awoke from your slumber. Yep, I'm very tired now. The dragon needs to go to sleep. Going back under your rock. We're going back under a rock for, uh, for at least a week. Until next time. Goodbye. Salutations.